Hello and welcome to Need2Go. Need2Go is a podcast meant to help you take your learning on the go. Our goal is to support administrators, tech coordinators, educators, and just anyone in their learning journey. So whether you are at home, work, the gym, or on your commute, we are glad you're joining us. Now for the latest episode of Need2Go. Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the Need2Go podcast. As we gear up for the Need2 2024 Spring Conference next month, coming soon, um, I'm excited today to be joined by Need2 board member and exhibitor coordinator, Dr. Lynn Herr. Lynn is moderating a panel discussion on Thursday morning centered around AI and education. I'm excited to have Lynn here with us. She's going to share a little bit more about what conference attendees can expect from this session and others, because I know from briefly looking at the schedule, AI is a hot topic, and so there's a lot of opportunities to learn more. So Lynn, I personally want to say that both personally and professionally, I appreciate your work and passion around AI, and I'm super excited about this conversation because I feel like I learn from you every time I'm in a session that you present or anytime um, you post something, just you have a lot to offer on this conversation. So I'm excited that you're moderating this panel with these experts, but I know um, you also have a lot to add to this topic. So thank you for joining us and thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Heather. I think the best way to kind of start the conversation at, would be just what do you think, ex what excites you, Lynn, about AI right now? Okay. Uh, that's one of my favorite topics to discuss because in my career with instructional technology, which has spanned nearly 30 years now, I think always those of us who work with technology are very deliberate about which tools we bring to teachers and educational leaders because we know that there's always a benefit of the tech tool, but it will also require some sort of investment on the time of the user to be able to effectively use the tool to create a product in the end. And so Google is a great example of that, that we've had all kinds of professional learning on Google tools over the years. And when the tool changes, we have updates to see what can we do now. But if you think about even Google Slides or Google Sites, which we can house great resources, we can, we can create engaging resources. It still takes a lot of time on someone's plate to be able to use that tool to create something that's helpful to students or to colleagues. What I love about the new uh, generation of AI tools is that it's not the case. So in my 30 years working in this field, the thing that blew me away when I first saw these tools is how with a very minimal amount of time investment, an educator can get something extremely useful immediately, often in less than a minute. And I think that is doing a lot of work to help address the issues that we see with teacher burnout. Because one of the things that is causing burnout in education is just the amount of quote paperwork or teacher work that isn't about the heart of teaching, but about the record keeping of teaching, the communication of teaching, the planning, uh, the creation of instructional resources. 
the meetings, the data that we're analyzing. And that just takes so much time. It's all valuable work, but it takes a lot of time. And there are very few teachers who leave uh, sessions doing those tasks, feeling more fulfilled and uh, ready to engage with your students. So generally speaking, I think that generative AI uh, offers tremendous potential to help address the issue of educator burnout right now. I don't, I can't agree with you more. Um, I feel like every day there's something I would like to just track every day, how many times I've gone to chat GPT, magic school AI, you know, whatever your choice of AI tool is. And I do feel like there's so many solution-based scenarios for educators that you can barely even scratch the surface. And I just feel like it's one of those things for me that I just have to continue to get in the habit. Like when I think about something, yes, go to AI. When you're thinking about, yep, go to AI. Like that just has to be like that never closed tab and just that first spot. Like it used to be Google, but I yes. feel like right now let's just go to an AI tool, go yes. to ChatGPT. Yes. And I think that's why it's so important to have these sessions like we're offering at NIDA, because in my experience, and I feel like over the last uh, just over a year, almost all I'm teaching every day has some connection to AI tools. And yet we still have a lot of people with misconceptions about mm -hmm. these tools. So often what I hear is if I am addressing a group of teachers and I ask, what's your general impression of chat GPT or AI tools? What have you heard? And we all know the thing that teachers heard first is students are using it to cheat. Mm -hmm. And I think then it categorized those tools in a lot of teachers' brains as a student teaching tool that somehow we are going to fight against with policies, with technical blocks. Uh, but they thought of it, they kind of got that categorized in their brain of that's what these tools are, because that's what we heard about them first. And they've never seen examples of how the power of these tools can impact their work life as teachers in the things that are draining to them. Um, and so when we do examples that show, oh, those emails that you're spending so much time crafting just the perfect response to the angry parent or uh, to plan a meeting or whatever it is that you need to do, that when we use the AI tools, it can just happen so much more efficiently and easily and leaves that time for how we deliberately choose to spend it. And maybe that means you have more time with your family, or maybe that means you spend something some time on something that does fill your heart as a teacher instead of those things that just have to be done. Definitely. And I think, you know, this kind of leads into the next topic of discussion, and this is more along the lines of the panel at NIDA. And you mm -hmm. kind of hit on a lot of different ways from, you know, the, the user that uses it regularly, solution-based, to the teacher that says, what's AI? What do you mean? What's ChatGPT? Like, we have we have teachers all over the board that, yes, they're like, oh, I don't like it or it's scary or what they've heard is scary. Then you've had some that have heard this is great, but I don't know how to use it. I'm not a prompt engineer. I don't know how to set the prompt, all those kind of things. So circling back around to what the panel discussion can bring, what what would you say, I know you're moderating the panel, 
Um, but what is your goal or what is NIDA's goal as far as what can attendees expect from this panel discussion in those areas? And maybe if some of those little areas or scenarios aren't part of the panel, maybe there's a session following that would support mm -hmm. those. Sure. Uh, so I think the goal of the panel is falls in line with what NIDA likes to do at the conference is bring in outside perspectives, because I think we've always valued that we have a great knowledge base within the state, but we appreciate hearing perspectives of outside the state as well. So two of the panelists are um, national presenters, uh, one of whom is uh, works with Common Sense Media, which a lot of us use in schools in all sorts of digital education. So I think that perspective is really important because Common Sense has that reputation of finding the value in the tool and highlighting the parts to be concerned about. So we're not all just making that up in our heads. So what tools are the best options for using with students or using ourselves as teachers? Uh, so Merv, who's uh, serving on the panel, will address that for us. Um, and he, I just saw Merv at an international conference. So I appreciate his perspective globally in what he's hearing all around the world and bringing to us uh, in this opening keynote. We also have Christian who's very involved with an AI and education group. So he has that perspective as a former classroom teacher as well in how do we sift through the everything that's out there. And that's one thing in this era of generative AI, I have also in my long career never seen so many new tools being released in such a short amount of time and also iterative tools in such a short of time. I mean, we used to wait and we'd get a big update on a software package maybe every few months. And now I'm seeing sometimes weekly additions to tools like Magic AI or PurePod or other tools that are uh, applied AI tools that are designed to help educators. So I think they'll help us sift through that at the national and global perspectives. And then we've also invited a school administrator from Nebraska to address from the policy level, how do we approach these tools in protecting students, protecting academic integrity, and also how we're shifting curriculum in an age of generative AI tools. So it's one thing to think about, oh, I have to write this email. There's a tool that can help me do that easier. And we've seen all sorts of technology models over the years where I would say that's a very basic substitution level tool. It does it in a great way in terms of substitution, but kind of like instead of handwriting, we used to start typing then. So instead of just writing an email, we get help with writing that email. I would consider that a very basic substitution task. But when we think about generative AI is here, it will always be here. How does that change what we teach about uh, reading and about writing and about research and products at the end of a learning experience? What do we want a product to be and how is that product produced? So, you know, immediately I heard some schools in this time said, that's it, you know, no more technology tools. Students will just hand write 
all of their assignments because then we know it's original work. And that's, I think, a knee-jerk response. And it makes sense in some ways because that eliminates the problem of how do we decide the complicated issue of where does AI fit in the instructional learning process? There are schools at the other end of things who have said, okay, it's here. We're just going to open it up and see what happens. And we're learning from those experiences too. And I think when we hear these panel discussions and then follow-up sessions that we'll hear throughout the NIDA conference, it will help us think about oh, I hadn't thought about this perspective. Maybe I'm a little extreme on this perspective. How can I find something um, in conjunction with the experts that I'm learning from, the practitioners, to make those decisions that are responsible to all of the facets that we need to consider? Student data privacy, uh, learning process, out outcomes. What are, we, what are students learning from our courses? What do we expect them to know? How do they interact with technology tools for their jobs in a future workforce, knowing that that's there? So it's such a complex issue. Uh, we have to find an entry point, and sometimes that's responding to an email. Once we're used to those basic uses of tools, then we can start to draw on our own experiences and the experiences of other educators as we think about reshaping curriculum academic integrity policies, um, and just what we're looking for in education in general. I appreciate that, Lynn, so much. And I agree with you, um, especially along the lines of AI being something you have it like do for you, like it's doing a task or completing something, you tell it to do something versus enhance it. And mm -hmm. I think that's where you're going to see lots of different layers of knowledge, experience from different teachers, the ones that A, have students have habits of having AI complete the task for them versus the teacher helping the students reshape and enhance what they write. And that's one thing that I value a lot. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I had to compose an email to communicate an event and I was working with another uh, colleague and we had the email drafted and it was one of those things where I felt like it sounded clunky, like it didn't flow well. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, ChatGPT nailed it. I, you know, as soon as you type in, I'm a teacher trying to communicate an upcoming event. Can you help me enhance this email? It, it was almost like my mind was read because it it chunked it yes. out perfectly. <laughs> it sectioned yes. it out. It highlighted it. It was just perfect. And when I emailed the colleague back, I was like, well, I didn't just chop up your email and the stuff we had drafted. Actually, ChatGPT helped. And so it was just one of those learning experiences right. for both of us. But it could have taken me two hours to like go back through, send it, you know, email her and say, yes. hey, I've updated this or whatever. Right. So yes, all exactly. those things I, that you've that already said, but Yes. And I think that's one thing I've been working with educators, especially over the last six months or so, is thinking about all of these tools as an 80-20 uh, fraction. And that's what I'm hearing you know, nationwide, global-wide is let the machine do 80% of the drafting and the heavy lifting. You apply your knowledge, skills, and expertise to that 20% 
um, so that you're using your time and resources more efficiently. And I think the challenge to us in education is how do we educate our current students to still have that 20% expertise, skill, and experience to apply to products that AI tools generate? Um, I think that's spot on, Lynn, especially, you know, as teachers embrace it for how it can enhance what they do on a daily basis, then that's going to spill over to students. Like, I feel like we're spot on with, like, Nita supporting teachers in this process, because if we don't understand the tool and how it can enhance our workflow and better what we do, then we can't truly understand and embrace it as a tool for students in our classrooms, too. Yes. Yeah, I agree. One last question for you um, before we close out this month's podcast. And I know a lot of this will come up at the at the conference as well. But personally, Lynn, what are your favorite places or spaces to learn and stay up to date with AI tools, policies, and practices? I know I have a few, so okay. I want to hear yours. Uh, well, Definitely. Okay. For me, um, of all the social media tools to follow, I think over the years, I have curated my Facebook account to be primarily education colleagues, friends, and groups. So I like the Facebook interface because people are sharing links and then I can easily pick up other links and organize those into collections. So Facebook is really a still a go-to place for me, even though I know newer forms of social media may be more applicable to other people. And specifically, ChatGPT for teachers and the AI classroom are where I get the most uh, resources and new things in Facebook. I also, uh, a couple of years ago, put together my own PLN uh, of colleagues that I've met through ISTE or conferences around the country. And there are five of us who just meet every other Tuesday over Zoom for 30 minutes to share what's happening in our schools, what have we heard about. And to me, that personal connection means a lot. I really believe if people can just find a small group of people to have regular, um, even if the face-to-face -face interaction is video, I think those conversations are so important. So that's where I get a lot of my uh, resources as well. And then also um, Nita Tech Integrationist Group is something that I help oversee for educators who are especially focused on tech integration and people who have job responsibilities in schools to be tech coaches or integrationists. Um, typically, we just meet in two full day meetings a year. This year, we have also added first Friday 30 minute meetings where we just come together over Zoom and share what have we heard or tried with AI in the last month. And so that's been a really helpful resource for me as well. I can second that. Definitely a highlight for me too. And I haven't been able to attend in person, but I do go back to the notes um, and review those. And I would just add, Lynn, I think I'm a member of those Facebook groups as well. One of the other things that I have followed a lot, and I don't know if you've totally embraced it, is the TikTok craze with AI. I feel like there's a lot of valuable TikToks out there that really show how teachers, administrators, others are using AI, specifically like Holly Clark and Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. I valued some of their AI content, tips, tricks, and resources as well. So, and there's lots of others. Those are just two that kind of stick in my mind. But sure. again, you're spot on, like everyone has their space and preference for that type of mm -hmm. professional learning, whether it's podcast, whether it's little videos, whether it's social media, Facebook, Twitter, X, excuse me, whatever. But 
Right. Yes. I think all of us just have to find our people and our Mm -hmm. platform. And this is such a pervasive topic in education. Whatever platform and PLN that you have, it's going to be a conversation topic. And so I think that's a great place to start. Definitely. Well, and I this really does get me excited for the panel discussion um, at NIDA. I'm super excited to learn more. This is just something that I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like I don't know what I don't know. And I feel that way every day. You feel like you take a couple steps forward and then you're like, wait, I don't even think I took a big step forward because like you said, there's new tools coming out. Tools that we use on a daily basis are adding that AI component built in within the tool itself. So it is something that just keeps continually growing um, and is very intriguing in the education space. So is there anything else you um, want to share before we close out the podcast? Mm-hmm. I think I would just add one closing comment based on what you just said, Heather, because it is such an overwhelming amount of new knowledge, new tools that I would encourage everyone to do what we've always said with instructional technology. Don't start with the tool, start with a need that you have that you'd Mm -hmm. like to address. So I tell teachers, think about what you're spending the most time doing with your computer that you would rather not be doing. Let's find a tool and a process that will make that more efficient and effective for you. So instead of trying to learn everything, I would say, think about your own professional practice prior to getting to the NIDA conference, go through your day, make notes as you're going through a teacher day, what is draining your bucket the most, what's taking the most time that involves a computer and let's use that as the lens through the conference to find things that will help um, get that off your plate. Thank you for joining us on this month's episode of the Need to Go podcast. We're excited for the opportunities of learning um, at the spring conference. If you haven't had a chance um, to research the conference and information, it's March 14th and 15th at CHI in Omaha. You can still register. You can still book a hotel. All that information can be found on our website. Um, In addition, the conference schedule is also located there. If you want some more information on the specific sessions related to AI or um, other technology-related topics um, and integration ideas um, that are offered at the conference. So, Lynn, thank you so much for your time. I definitely appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you face-to-face. And with that, we'll close out the podcast. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.